0: I want you to open up your Bible with me today to Luke chapter 18 as we study the story of a beggar that sat at the at the, the, the thoroughfare of the gates of the city of Jericho, and he was just looking to be transformed in his life by Jesus Christ. And as we read this, I want you to see that Christ can touch your eyes like he touched this man's eyes. And while Bartimaeus, this blind beggar, was touched in a very physical way, I want you to see that you can be touched in a spiritual way by Christ and that you'll notice his condition, his petition, and his transformation, and that you can have the very same healing like he had in a spiritual level, like we read about in Luke chapter 18. Let's read together there, starting in verse 35. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. You know, it's the gospel of Mark, Mark's gospel, who tells the same story, and he gives us the name of the beggar, and he says that the name of the beggar is Bartimaeus. Matthew's gospel tells us that there was another man with Bartimaeus, And they both panhandled a section of Jericho together, and they both were healed by Jesus this day. But Luke focuses on this man, Bartimaeus. Luke, chapter 18, let's look at verse 36. When he heard the crowd going by, Bartimaeus, he asked, what was happening? They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 40. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near Jesus and asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Well, Jesus said to him, Receive your sight, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw this, they also praised God. Here's what I want you to see just real quick is Bartimaeus' condition. I want you to recognize the state that he was in. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, those three Gospels share this same story. All of us give us some kind of different account about what had happened. They fill in the gaps where others didn't want to fill them in. And this is one of the 35 recorded miracles that we find Jesus performing that is in written record. But Bartimaeus is a stigma of society. No one wants him around. He's blind, and he's been panhandling the section of road right outside of the old ruins of Jericho, the old ruins of Jericho that Joshua and the army of Israel marched around and God miraculously brought to the crumbling ruins of the walls of Jericho. And about a mile, a mile away from that city, a new city of Jericho had been built. And there is this main thoroughfare from the old city to the new city And I'm sure these two guys panhandled that area on a daily basis. It was the perfect place for them to have the sign that said, We'll work for food, or Vietnam vet, or family of three starving, and anything could help. And so as they panhandled, they made sure that anybody that traveled by, they would be heard and that they would be seen. Let me tell you something about Bartimaeus' condition, though. In the first century, being blind was was much more difficult than probably being blind in this day and age. There wasn't government assistance to help you up and to kind of give you a a leading way. There certainly weren't any computers that could talk to you. and There was really no one that would help lead you along. There was no Braille. There There were no trained dogs. There were no books on tape. There were no sidewalks that helped you to navigate the path of the roads. You were on your own. And society back then was probably less sympathetic to the society today, to those that were disabled. And so because of that, he was ridiculed, he was pushed aside, he was looked at on as a nuisance and probably didn't get much help from the people that passed his way. But let me tell you something that's worse than being physically blind. That's being spiritually blind. See, it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, that the God of this age, the God of this age who is identified in that book as Satan, so Satan has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they can't see the light of the gospel. The light of the gospel is Jesus Christ, the good news that he's brought to set us free from the sin that has enslaved us. You know, sometimes we use the expression, that you're blind to what's going on right in front of you. And we'll say things like, you don't even recognize it. He's in love with you. Or we'll say, you know, you don't even recognize it, but your kids are doing mischievous things behind your back. You know, Romans chapter 11, verse 8, talks about a spiritual stupor that society can get in. They have eyes to see, but they don't have spiritual eyes to recognize that there is a heavenly Father who loves them and a heavenly father who has sent his only son to receive them and to forgive them. There are people in this room who are spiritually blind to the light of Jesus Christ. They don't understand the gospel message, and they don't understand about a God who would love them so much that they would wel- that he would welcome them in to his presence and into his kingdom. It says in John chapter 1, verse 5, Jesus says these words, the light shines in the darkness. Jesus is the light. He's shining into this world, which is a dark and corruptible place. But it says the darkness has not understood it. Jesus has come into this world. He's told us the good news about how to have forgiveness of sins, how to have a right relationship with God. But the world, all of us, well, we don't always respond to it. We get so clogged up with the pressures of this world, the tragedies of this world, and the temptations of this world, and we find ourselves staying in the darkness and not understanding the light that Jesus Christ has brought to all of us. Bartimaeus' condition was that he was blind physically. What's your condition? Could it be that you're blind spiritually, just blind to the things of God that are in life? You know, I'm on the computer nearly every single day I don't use the computer to its maximum. I only use Microsoft Word, a word processor. And so when people talk about networking and IP and they talk about hard drive storage or when they talk about doing things to the software or restore points, I have no idea what they're talking about. One thing I do know is I don't want to know what they're talking about. I'm, conf- I'm confined and I'm only concerned with the programs that I am plugged into. You know what? There's a part of me that's a little embarrassed to ask too because I think I can figure it out. I don't think I have the, any kind of stumbling blocks to my mental capacity not to learn it. I just am too embarrassed, and there's sometimes where I just don't want to learn it. And I think there's people who are walking in spiritual darkness. They hear sermons. Maybe they read a Bible that's been sitting on their nightstand, and they don't understand it. It doesn't compute to them. It's not that you're ignorant. It's not that you're not smart. You just, you just don't want to learn it. You just don't care to invest yourself into it. And maybe, maybe for some, you're just too embarrassed to ask somebody who has a little knowledge of it to explain it to you more in depth. You don't see that you need forgiveness. You don't see that there's sin in this world. You don't see that God has sent us a Savior named Jesus. You don't see that Jesus has died on the cross for you personally to redeem you from your sins You don't see the power that Jesus Christ can bring to your life. And so because of that, you just walk away from it or you lived spiritually blind. 1 Corinthians tells us in chapter 2 verse 14 that the man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God. Like if you don't have God's spirit within you, you're not going to really understand or take hold of the things that God has communicated to us, especially through his word. You see, those are spirit things. Since the Spirit's not there, you're not going to understand those things completely. For they're foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. You know, people who are spiritually blind, they don't know where they're going. And maybe this can help you identify your condition if you're spiritually blind or not. In John chapter 12, verse 35, Jesus told them, You're going to have a light. Uh, just a little while longer, he's talking about himself. I'm only going to be on earth a w- little while longer, Jesus says. Walk while you have the light, before darkness overtakes you. The man who walks in the dark, what does it say? Does not know where he's going. Yeah, there's some people in this room even, around the world, that are groping in the darkness, and they're trying to make sense of the life that they're living, and they're doing it purposelessly like ships without a rudder, being only steered by the wind or the current, or may I say, the culture that surrounds them. And they don't have a moral compass, and they don't have a rudder which steers them in the right direction, and they're on the broad road which leads to destruction, not the narrow path that leads to eternal life that Christ talks about. You know, it was G.K. Chesterton that once said, when a person quits believing in God, he doesn't believe in nothing. He believes in anything. When you stop believing in God, it's not that you become an atheist. You just will take anything that comes your way. And so atheism isn't the absence of Christianity. Superstition is the absence of Christianity. Clinging yourself to whatever passing fad happens, whatever kind of spiritual moment takes place, you'll accept it from anyone, from anywhere, from whatever book, and you won't have any kind of spiritual discernment about is this right? Is this wrong? Is this preacher of God? Or is he a false prophet? You know, Jesus looked at the preachers of the day, the religious leaders, guys like me, and he looked at their heart, and he said, you guys are doing a lot of neat things on the exterior, but I know you intimately. I know you on the inside, and you are corruptible. You look like the light on the outside, but in the inside, you're dark. He called them whitewashed tombs. They look alive on the outside, but they're dead on the inside, and here's what he said to them. He called them blind guides. Blind guides. He says, if a blind man leads a blind man, both fall into a pit. I can remember my first funeral that I did in ministry here at Washington. It was at Oak Grove Cemetery, just on the west side of town. And after the committal service, I got into my car. I was the first one to leave the cemetery. And I started to drive around that cemetery and I thought I knew the way out. And in that, that cemetery, I got lost a little bit, and I came to where I thought was an exit, but then it was a chained-off exit, and I had to put it in reverse. And then I recognized, after I'd been driving about five, five minutes or so, that there were two cars that were following me. You talk about the blind leading the blind. It seems strange that people who don't know where they're going can still gather a following, even though they don't know where they're going. People can be persuaded to do things, even though they have blind leadership. Let me give you some examples. There was a movement and it still has gotten traction that all religions lead to the same place and to the same God. Well, the God of the Bible says that's not true. The Bible says that's not true. This church doesn't believe in that, but there are some movements that still proclaim that thing. So you tell me, does Jimmy Swaggers does his version lead you to heaven? Does Jim Jones, does his version lead you to heaven? Does Hinduism lead you to heaven? No. Those things don't. I'll tell you why. Because there is a mixture of spirituality in there. But Hinduism would teach you that you're going to be reincarnated. Maybe to something better or to something worse. And then eventually, your goal is to one day find that you're non-existent and somehow you've become a part of God in some strange way. But you know, there are billions of people that follow that religion. It's like the blind that are leading the blind. Some of you familiar with the scientist Richard Dawkins. He's written books like The God Delusion. That guy is not just delusional. He is anti-Christian completely. And Richard Dawkins, when asked how the world was created, he says, I'll tell you this much, God had nothing to do with it. And he looks at all of us that believe that God literally created this place, and he says, I feel so sorry for you all. But when pressured about how this world was created, he says, and I, I, I'm not kidding you, that perhaps aliens created this world. So the commentator will say, so you believe in an intelligent design? He says, no, that's not what I'm saying. Well, then who created the aliens? He says, I'm not certain. Maybe the life form started from some cells that were attached to the backs of crystals and that created the aliens. And the commentator will say, but who made the crystals and who made the cells? And he says, I'm not sure but it wasn't God. And there are some people that will flat out gain a true following of people even though they're blind in this world and refuse to recognize any of the light. Friends, let that be a warning to you. Use spiritual discernment from the things of this world. Use spiritual discernment from the things that are preached from this pulpit. Be good Bereans like those in Acts that studied the scriptures to find out if what they were learning was true and real. Don't be blinded in the darkness. Let the light set you free of Jesus Christ. So what's your condition? Are you blinded spiritually or do you have twenty-twenty 20 vision spiritually? Here's Bartimaeus' plea. Here's his petition to Christ. He has one moment to get Christ, because Jesus is passing by, man, I could preach a whole sermon on that. Jesus is passing by the opportunity that's there for this man to have a life change, the opportunity that exists for you today to have a life change, to wake up to the light and make this faith very real to you. Jesus is passing by. Let's look in verse 36 of Luke 18. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked, what's happening? Verse 36, verse 37, the crowd says, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Verse 38, Bartimaeus calls out, Jesus, son of David. Did you catch the differences? Did you catch the difference? The crowd said, Jesus of who? Jesus of Nazareth. Bartimaeus yells, Jesus, son of David. That's not what the crowd told him. That's not what they said. Every gospel writer says the same thing. Fred Craddock, he's got to be one of my favorite preachers. He enlightens us on this. He says, it's perhaps the gospel writers were saying that the one who was blind physically had eyes to see spiritually and the ones who could see physically were blinded spiritually. You see, when they say Jesus of Nazareth is passing by, they're referring to Jesus just as the man. Matt from California, Jesus of Nazareth. He's just another guy. But what does Bartimaeus say? Jesus, son of David, which is a messianic term. It's Old Testament stuff. This is the Messiah. This is the Christ. Do you see the difference there? The blind man is able to have an awareness spiritually that Jesus is the Christ. The crowd just says, this is Jesus. I think he's the son of Joseph. There's a difference there. And Bartimaeus is aware enough that Jesus has an importance to him. He must have heard the stories of Jesus. I mean, if you're on the roadside and your eyes shut down on you, I'm told that your senses heighten in other areas and his ears were probably brilliantly tuned to hear the words of conversations that passed by. He heard about the feeding of the 5,000. He heard about the resurrections that took place, the healings that took place. He heard about the cleansing of leopards and bringing the dead back to life. And so he takes this moment, this opportunity, cries out, Jesus, son of David. You're the Christ, have have mercy on me. Let me tell you what the first step should be for you that are thinking that maybe your spiritual condition is that you're spiritually blinded. Your first response should be a cry for mercy. Christ, save me. Some of you are coming aware or maybe out of a momentary darkness Maybe it was a pretty girl that you met. She's brought you in here. You've been dating and you showed up because she invited you to come and and she has brought to your attention that there's more to life than the darkness that you've been living in, that there's light. Maybe it was a friend at work that invited you here and now you sit on the edge of your seat because you're wondering, is the message that's being preached, are the lessons that's being taught from this word, is this true? Or maybe you picked up this bestseller one day and you decided to, leaf through it and read some scriptures and you thought, is that real? And the darkness that had clouded your vision is starting to become aware there's a, there's a pinhole of light and you know that there might be something more to this world than the life that you've been living. Some years ago, uh, I went to a Cincinnati Reds game with some friends who attend church here and we walked by the ballpark and as you go to the ballpark, there's a number of beggars that are outside of those big venues. And there was a number of beggars that were outside of the venue at the Cincinnati Reds game. And there were some that were holding up signs that said Vietnam vet. There was others that said family of three could use whatever support. There's one guy that said, I'm not gonna lie, I'm gonna use the money for beer. Now, not me, but some of my friends gave him some money. I said, no, we don't. No, I put in some change too. Why? Because I said, look, that that guy's honest. At least he's being truthful. He wasn't trying to con us out of anything here. And at least Bartimaeus was being honest with himself when he said, Jesus, would you have mercy on me? That was his biggest challenge in life not to see physically, but to have mercy. Lord, I just need your compassion to be shown in my direction. You see, people who are stigmas of society who felt left out, they feel like no one loves them. They especially feel like maybe God is against them. And Bartimaeus may have thought that way. He may have thought, I think God's against me here. And so let's just see if he'll prove faithful. Jesus, son of David, you're the Christ. Would you stop and have compassion on me? And if you feel like you can you're outside God's love, let me just share with you for a moment. If he stopped for this blind beggar who just sat outside the walls of Jericho, he's certainly going to stop for you and take care of your needs and attend to you and your heart and your condition in life. Bartimaeus just came clean. I need God's mercy. Jesus told a story earlier in Luke 18, a story about two people. It's a series of contrasts. He talks about a religious leader, a man that looks up to the heavens, and he says, God, I I tithe every single Sunday. I give money to the church and to the temple, and I fast twice a week. I'm not like a thief, and I'm not like a tax collector. And then Jesus says there was another man there who who was a tax collector, and he recognized his position before God, and he said, oh God, be merciful to me, I'm a sinner, and he beat on his chest, and he said, well, it was the tax collector who came away justified, not the religious leader. And Jesus had this teaching. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. So don't try to con your way to God. Your social status, the amount of money that you have, is not gonna impress God. Your humility impresses God. And this man was humbled by his encounter with Jesus and he took the advantage that he had, the opportunity he had and said, Jesus, you have mercy on me. I need your forgiveness. I need need help in this life. Remember, it was the prophet Nathaniel in the Old Testament or the prophet Nathan in the Old Testament that turned on the lights to David's dark deeds. Remember, David had committed the sin with Bathsheba, and had that affair, and then he had Bathsheba's husband killed. And so David was not only an adulterer, he was a murderer. And Nathan turned the light on it, and he exposed that sin. And you remember how David reacted when his sin was exposed? He didn't deny it, and he didn't say, no, that's not me, and make up some kind of lie. David said, oh, God, have mercy on me. That's the beginnings of Psalm 51. God, have mercy on me. And in Proverbs, Chapter 28, verse 13, it says, He who conceals his sin, who who hides his sin and keeps it in the dark, does not prosper. But whoever confesses and renounces them, he finds mercy. Now, Bartimaeus persevered, despite what the crowd was telling him to do likewise. You know, those who led the rebuke, they told him to be quiet. Bartimaeus, you don't know who's passing by. This is, this is Jesus. You don't waste Jesus' time. Bartimaeus cries out all the more. And I'm sure there's going to be people in your life that when you give your life over to Jesus, they're going to say, oh, you've become a Christian now? Well, don't change the way that you are because I like you the way that you are. Or there's going to be people that will say, you know, don't become too fanatical about this Jesus because, you know, there are some people that get way off the deep end over there and they go to church like every week. And I don't know if you need to do that. They'll put off vacations, and, and then they'll, they'll do other things, and they'll take vacation days to go attend to Christian conferences. Don't go that far with, don't do that. I mean, you can fiddle around with religion, but don't really invest your time into it. And the crowd was rebuking Bartimaeus. Don't, come on, just don't waste Jesus' time with this. Bartimaeus, just stay the way you are. You're the beggar by the side of the road. We need beggars by the side of the road. You just know your position. We'll know our position. But that didn't stop Bartimaeus. Look what it says in verse 39. It says, he shouted all the more. And David, or son of David, have mercy on me. In verse 40, it says, hey, Jesus stopped. And then he ordered Bartimaeus to come to him. You know, Jesus never tuned out a cry for mercy in the Gospels. You read the Gospels, Jesus always stopped when someone said, Jesus, I'm struggling. Jesus, I'm hurting. Jesus, I need you. When a cry for mercy was proclaimed out of someone's mouth in humility, Jesus would stop. And so Bartimaeus recognizes this opportunity, throws down his cloak, throws down his little tin cup, and he rises up and he meets Jesus, and he has this brief encounter with Jesus. And here's what Jesus asks him. What do you want me to do for you? That's like a genie in a bottle. What do you want from me? You get one wish. One wish. Think about the things he could have come up with. He has a face-to-face encounter with who one who spoke the sun, the stars, and the moon into existence. Nothing is too difficult for the Lord. Anything you want, Bartimaeus. What do you want me to do for you? Don't you love how Jesus approaches people? He does it in such gentleness and and such grace. He never forced his power onto people. He was always gentle with them. What, What can I do for you? I mean, just think about that for a minute. The son of God, the creator of this world, puts himself in a servant's position, a waiter's position. How can I serve you today? Notice Bartimaeus' request. It's so specific. And it meets one of his greatest physical needs. He says, Lord, I want to see. He's specific. I want my eyes to be open. That's his plea. That's his petition to the Lord. What's your plea? What do you want God to do for you? Why are you here today? What is it that's in your heart that you're saying? Lord, I need you to really come through in this. I mean, Bartimaeus was transformed. transformed. From darkness to light, he asks specifically, God, here's what I want you to do. What could you ask God specifically today for him to do? He stands before you today, and he says nearly the same things. What do you want me to do for you? How can I help you? Well, some of you might say, Lord, would you take away this darkness of my sin away, the blindness that I've been in of my sin, and open my eyes spiritually to your light? Maybe some of you today can say, oh, Lord, I want, I want a stronger faith. I don't want to be blinded by doubt any longer. Some of you might want to say, I, I want encouragement, Lord. I, I am tired of blindly catering to the people's opinions around me, and I want to be enlightened by your word so I may live by it. Maybe some of you today say, Lord, I want to be sober. Would you take away the dark addictions that I'm wrestling with? Or, Lord, I I want to love my family. I want to love my spouse and I want to love my kids. So would you take away my, my, my blinders off of my eyes so that I can see ways to love them and so I can be good and positive towards them? Bartimaeus' plea was this. Lord, I want to see. What's your plea? What do you need to specifically ask Jesus to help you with here's his transformation and he experienced a dramatic transformation verse 42 jesus said to him receive your sight your faith has healed you and immediately he received his sight and he followed jesus praising god and when all the people saw it they 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 also praised god now think about this, immediately the text says, in the twinkling of an eye, in the, as fast as there was a blink, Bartimaeus went from darkness to light. And in some belief, some commentators believe that the way it's written was that this man once was able to see and he went to darkness, he went blind, and now he is able to see again. And probably the first thing he saw Wasn't the city of Jericho, wasn't the the blue sky? Probably the first thing he saw was the face of the one who had just healed him, Jesus. And there he saw the tenderness in the eyes of Jesus, of the king of kings that had restored him and transformed him and totally changed his life around. Look how he changed his life around. He went from a lifestyle of boredom, sitting by the side of the road, waiting for anybody to come and just put something even small into his jar so that he could live for the day. And he went to a new life of enthusiasm following Jesus. He had led a very uneventful life to leaving a life that was very eventful. Think about the things that he followed Jesus and saw. For just a few weeks later, Jesus waltzed into Jerusalem, with the crowds cheering, Hosanna, and there was a triumphal entry. Just a couple weeks after Bartimaeus was healed from the blindness, he got to see Lazarus being called out of the grave and coming forth. He probably witnessed the crucifixion of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, and the post-teachings of Jesus' resurrection, and possibly even the ascension of Christ. He went from this complete boredom to this amazing life that he now experienced in Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something about the light versus the darkness. People in the darkness have no idea how exciting it is to live in the light. How purposeful it becomes when you accept Christ. How much more freedom there is when you discover that you've been forgiven and liberated to now live a godly lifestyle. But people in the darkness don't see it that way. They see that those who are in the light are entrapped by rules and regulations. But people of the light know better. We're not trapped by rules and regulations. We have freedom, freedom to live right and freedom to live wrong. And in the moments where we do live wrong, we have forgiveness over those wrongful moments through Jesus Christ's shed blood. Bible says he followed Jesus praising God and when all the people saw it, they praised God also. You know, he never had influence before, but now he has influence. He's been healed. What do the crowds say? Hey, Bartimaeus, shut up. You're not worthy of talking to Jesus. But now they're saying, hey, look at Bartimaeus. This is great stuff. He's been transformed, radically changed. Look at this guy. Look what God's done in him. They just moments ago told him to be quiet. Now they're saying, hey, this is a guy worth praising. You know, if you allow Jesus Christ to transform you, the light is going to draw itself to you. John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then he goes on to say, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine before men so that they may see your good deeds and glorify God. You know, if you've gone out on your porch, especially this time of the year, and your porch light is on, it's dark, you see all the bugs hovering around the light. And then if you were to open up your door and the lights were on in your house, those bugs are going to go to where there is even more light right into your house. Those moths are just going to swarm on in, out of the darkness, into the light. You don't need to have a moth mating call to get them. They're just going to present themselves towards the light. You know, uh, I'm told that those little bug zappers that people have in their backyards are actually counterproductive. While they may kill hundreds of bugs, they actually attract thousands more from around the neighborhood. So I guess the idea is have your neighbor get one of those bug lights and you just kind of watch what happens. But what is true of them is true of us. We are drawn towards the light, even people that don't want to share in the light and want to push away the light of Jesus Christ. So here's what I'm saying to you. If your life's been transformed, it doesn't have to be a dramatic transformation. It doesn't have to be a dramatic testimony. But if your life's been transformed by Jesus and you've experienced the newness of life through Christ, you've been enlightened, don't be ashamed of that. You let your light shine before men so that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. And you've got that coworker that says, I hate everything about church. Church has done me wrong. I hate everything about the Bible. I don't believe it. You got a Richard Dawkins in your group that just says there is no God. I don't care how... uh, complicated the universe is. There is no God. You continue to shine your light brightly. Why? Because people are still attracted to the light and they're drawn by it. You remember the words of 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9. You are a chosen people. You're special to God. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into the wonderful light. And friends, that's what's going on today. Just as Bartimaeus was transformed from having no physical sight, to being able to see things clearly in this world, God's calling you to a transformation, a transformation that draws you out of darkness and pulls you into the enlightenedness of Jesus Christ to experience this world in a new way with a, a new leader of your soul, Jesus. Jesus. And maybe today, you need to do like Bartimaeus did. You need to throw out the old garments of your begging nature, of your blinded nature. Leave those behind. Leave that cloak on the side of the road. Take this opportunity today. As your eyes become healed to spiritual things, to take the opportunity as Jesus passes by to have your life renewed and transformed By the light of Jesus Christ who pulls you out of the darkness of our sins and rescues us into the saving grace through the blood that was shed on the cross. A very dark day, but gives you light and hope for tomorrow.